0: the ultimate pro basketball preview presented by odyssey and locked on podcast network Play in
1: welcome to another episode of the ultimate pro basketball preview 2022 presented by odyssey in the locked on podcast network this six episode series will answer all of your lingering questions for the upcoming nba season each episode we will feature a locked on nba roundtable with the local experts covering your team every day a nothing but bet segment this episode matt moore joins me from the action network to talk about all the betting angles from these teams nba expert trista crick will join us from the heat check podcast fantasy expert josh lloyd of the Locked On fantasy basketball show will join us and then later in the series the voice of nba draft analysis and locked on nba big board host rafael barlow will talk about some of the players that these teams could tank for i'm your host nick Engstead, daily host of locked on nba and mavericks podcast but for this series I'll be your host as we visit with over 30 different experts to get you ready for the NBA season ahead. Today's focus will be the play-in teams. Teams that their goal is the play-in. Those that want to prove themselves and eventually get to the postseason. The Sacramento Kings, Charlotte Hornets, Washington Wizards, Detroit Pistons, and Indiana Pacers. Let's get started with our friend Trista Crick of the Odyssey's Heat Check Podcast to show us which of these teams has the best chance of making the play-in.
2: First and foremost, I think you have to kind of look to the West because I think there's a lot of competitive, uh, like sort of versatility there. You saw the Pelicans make it to the play-in, and they started off like one in 20. So I would start first and foremost and take it to the West Coast. This is gonna sound really gross, and it's gonna sound like I'm pandering because I'm very I'm very connected and, and beloved within the Sacramento Kings fan base. <laughs> and I might be insane. I might be insane. test me for some sort of LSD or drugs, but it feels like it's the Kings. It does. No, it does. If Keegan Murray can be who we know he has the potential to be this year, which is rookie of the year, right? A guy who can get you 25 points on any given night – be a really good defender a really good sneaky rebounder uh, if Mike Brown can get this team to actually buy into defense and they should be able to gel and find some level of mediocrity on defense right because you're gonna get a lot of very easy games because you got San Antonio and you've got Utah blatantly aggressively and disrespectfully tanking for Victor Wampayama so you're gonna get a lot of those games from them that they're just going to hand over to you that's gonna happen in the east as well and I don't think so Sacramento is interested in the least in disappointing their fan base. I think they're trying to compete, right? I think that they have a lot of young guys who can score. They're going to be able to put up buckets. Kayvon Herter, right? We know he can score. Sabonis, Keegan, Malik Monk off the bench. We know he's a little microwave. So if they can figure out a way to defend on any level, and they can pick up easy games from teams that are very obviously trying to tank, I think they could sneak in like 10 seed. I don't think that's I don't think that's too crazy.
1: All right, welcome back to the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022. This is the Play in Hopefuls. We are the Locked On NBA hosts. We cover our teams five days a week on each of our individual Locked On shows. On today's show with me, I have Brandon Scott from the Locked On Wizards show. I have Tony East from Locked On Pacers. I have Walker Mel and his sultry tones from Locked On Hornets, an incredible group here. We also are going to be talking about the Pistons and the Kings in this group as well. Gentlemen, let's start with this. What needs to happen for your team to make the play-in? And I, I don't know if I can pick one that's the closest to make the play-in, but maybe it's the team that actually did make the play-in last year in the Charlotte Hornets. So Walker, I'll start with you. What needs to happen for your team to make the play-in?
3: It's also the only team I feel like that got worse in the Eastern Conference of the teams that actually made the play-in. You know, if they didn't get worse this past off-season, or if they didn't improve, all the other franchises improved the, the previous off-season, right? Like. You had the Atlanta Hawks go for DeJounte Murray and trade a whole bunch of picks. Now you see even Cleveland get better. Detroit looks like it's a better basketball team. And here Charlotte after making the play-in. They fire James Borrego because it wasn't enough, at least in their minds, considering who they had on the roster. And they get destroyed in the play-in, mind you, for the second straight year. Actually worse than the Pacers game the, the previous year. So no improvement there. <laughs> um, what has to happen for them to make the play-in? It, what's going to have to happen? is they're gonna have to find some adequate replacing of miles bridges who i don't expect to play basketball for at least a very long time with the charlotte hornets team and i don't know how that's gonna happen the ways that i hypothesize it could happen is gordon hayward staying healthy but certainly can't set your clock to that pj washington is down 20 pounds looks more athletic it looks like PJ Muscle Watch season here. Everybody's in the greatest shape of their life in the offseason. season. <laughs> Seems like PJ has embodied that mantra. Do so we want?
1: If, do we want Hornet center PJ Washington to be down twenty pounds?
3: <laughs> Something. Yeah, it's like if I guess not the small ball five PJ, <laughs> but we do want four and three taking over for Miles PJ to be down twenty pounds. So. You know, we'll see about the offensive load that he can share, but also Lamelo just con- continuing to ascend up the NBA ranks. Is is, is he somebody that is a bona fide All Star after getting there through the first alternate route last year, and can he actually flirt with an All NBA appearance? I, I, I'm not predicting that happens. I'm saying those are the ways that we can really see the Hornets get in there. Because right now, Vegas has them at a 36.5 over-under win total. That's 11th in the Eastern Conference. And it's probably about the right number to put for the Charlotte Hornets. So, yeah, it, it was a brutal offseason for them. I mean, absolutely horrific for them. And it's why I'm we're in this, uh, in this group again. Play in hopefuls despite having made it last year, and they fired the coach because they expect more.
1: Do you think that play in is the ceiling for this Hornets team or do you think that they could go make it make the playoffs maybe even this year?
3: I think it's probably the ceiling because a 7 seed, right? Like yeah. if you go down the Eastern Conference, who are they better than? Who who are, you know, can you get them in a top 6 seed at the end of the regular season? It's hard for me to do that especially again, like a lot of these Eastern Conference teams improved this offseason or made some type of move. And the Hornets, the only thing they did was draft Mark Williams in the first round. Looks like he's kind of out of the rotation, according to Steve Clifford, as it stands Oof. currently. Yeah, Oof. I know. Yeah, brutal, especially with the Mason Plumlee and Nick Richards as you're starting and backup centers. And they brought back Cody Martin. Those are the moves. That's it. So it, it's not like that screams, hey, we're going to make a big jump into the six seed this year. Yeah, it's probably play in as their absolute ceiling. God, I'm just I'm just fully depressed. Let's, yeah, there's a nice primer for the play in hopeful <laughs> group right there, guys. Take it away. Here's the baton. All right, let's move on to a,
1: to a show that maybe has a little bit more talent on their team and could could maybe make a better case to make the play in. Uh, Brandon Scott from On Wizards. What's the what's what, what needs to happen for the Wizards to make the play in and then possibly the playoffs this year?
4: Um, I see three main areas that will propel this team to hopefully get into the plan and maybe the playoffs. Um, one defense. Uh, this team was not very good defensively. You know, I um, you know, with the recent trade uh, for Monté Morris and Will Barton and Delon, and signing Delon Wright. You know, I think the defense will get better, but obviously we lose a little defense. Losing uh, uh KCP to Denver. So, you know, but I mean, defense has to get better. You know, with uh, West Unselled, you know, his, his forte is defense. So it, it has to improve, you know, especially on the perimeter. Um, two, three point shooting percentage. Uh, we were, again, we were terrible last year, three point percentage. You know, with the addition of Will Barton and Monte Morris and the long right, um, and strides made by Rui Hachimura and Bradley Bill come back from injury, I see this team being a lot better with a three point shot. And finally, play, um, uh, game planning. Sorry, game planning. You know, what's unsaid? Um, the big issue last season for the Wizards was, uh, you know, after the trade sending Russell Westbrook to the Lakers and all the pieces we got back, was trying to consolidate everybody. I mean, and it caused a lot of chemistry issues, a lot of issues in the locker room. And so now we don't. It's not so much of an issue this season, but we still have to make a little bit of consolidation. You know, we have a lot of players who can play multiple positions. You know, if you look at, you know, point guard Monte Morris can play the two guard. Same thing with uh, Delon Wright. You know, Bradley Bill showed that he can run the point. You know, we have a lot of players who can play multiple positions. You know, if you look at Kyle Kuzma, you know, there's questions whether he can play the three or they're going to slide him into power forward. And the same with Rui Hachimura. You know, we have a lot of guys who can fit different roles. So, you know, if we can improve on defense and if we can improve behind the three-point arc and if we can really, really consolidate this team and really get people into the roles, I think that playing, you know, wouldn't be an issue. I can see at our best us being a 60.
1: I don't know if I hear any of those names that you mentioned and then hear better perimeter defense. Tony and Walker, I don't know if you guys are hearing the same thing, but Monty Morris, Will Barton, like I I don't know if I'm buying like losing KCP. I don't know if I'm buying the the Wizards as as a team that could get better on defense. I think it's just got to be sort that sort that offense out and figure out how a like, Kuzma, Porzingis, Bradley Beal and like all those other pieces you mentioned, how they just Running gun again, like in it, outscore some of these other teams because uh, I think that's the path of the Wizards.
4: Yeah, for- and, I, and I agree, you know, I, I definitely agree, but I think the changes there's a several factors that change this offseason. One, you know, they they hosted a mini uh, camp in LA, and you know, they're already working on chemistry, and chemistry was a huge issue last season. Uh, two, you know, with bringing in Marshawn or uh, Marshawn <laughs> Gortat to teach the big guys, uh, Chris Opper Singh and uh, Daniel Gafford. You know, I think that's a big plus. And having a veteran like Taj Gibson, you know, defense is is something that you you got to put effort into. You know, you can't necessarily be taught. You know, so when you look, you know, when you're learning from guys like Taj Gibson and from Martian Garthot, you know, which, you know, weren't bad defensively in their day. You know, so, yeah, I, I can see why you're skeptical. But in the same token, you know, if you look at the last two games they played in Japan for the preseason for, you know, they, you know, the chemistry was there. The communicational defense was there. You know, really, <laughs> Rio Hachimura was an afterthought on defense. You know, he was lost in the sauce last season in defense, and you saw effort. You know, you saw Delon Wright. Really, you know, you see the effort. So, you know, small things like that, chemistry, you know, effort—they're going to go a long way for this team.
1: Moving over to the Pacers, uh, the one team here that a lot of people raised their eyebrows to, including the host of Locked On Jazz, who didn't, who took took mad offense to being included in the tankers group. Uh, Tony East, what's the path for the Pacers to potentially make the plan?
5: Yeah, Indiana Pacers are are unique in that, one, they have publicly stated their head coach, Rick Carlisle, their president of basketball operations, Kevin Pritchard, that they're going into a long-term project. So maybe this year isn't the year they reach the plan specifically, but they would like to because every team likes to win and reach the plan. And given the history of this franchise, who's picked inside the top 10 once in the last 33 years, they would like to continue to win at that sort of level and reached the postseason. That's how their ownership group works. So well, it does appear that the Pacers will be going through a longer-term project as they develop their team, of course, reaching the plane would be a, a solid consolation prize for their season. And I think if that's going to happen, it'll fall all the back of Tyrese Halberton, right? Their new big acquisition, the guy they got at the trade deadline last year, that they were willing to send out a two-time all-star into Montez Sabonis to get him because they view him as a foundational piece for their long-term rebuild, both this year and beyond. And you know He's the only guy ever in NBA history to average 15 points and eight assists and shoot 40% from three in one of their first two seasons. Everybody else who's been about 38% in those numbers has been an all-star. Mark Price, Trey Young, Darius Garland for some recent examples. So you know he's tr- trending down that path. If he can take that step this year, when some of their younger guys step up, this team along with Miles Turner – uh, one of their returning centers who who knows what his future is, but they have the pieces in place to potentially take that step forward on the back of Tyrese Halbert their franchise point guard.
1: There's a couple other teams that are mentioned in this episode that we don't have represented here. Um, the Sacramento Kings uh, Walker, I guess you and I could start talking about this Um Demonis a bonus. You have, you have De'Aaron Fox. They've added a bunch of talent recently. It seems like the Sacramento Kings are maybe the team with the best case out of this group to make a play in. Are you buying the Sacramento Kings potentially making a run at the play in this year and finally breaking their playoffs, their playoff streak, which is now the
3: longest in sports as a as much as a playoff drought? Do, do we count that being broken if you get a nine or a ten seed and reach the play in? Does that count? Does, is it a
1: postseason drought? What's the actual? What's the actual? a uh, record.
3: You know, I I don't know if you want to count it um but if if it does count then sure. This could be that year, especially if you look back at last season, the Spurs are the team you're going to bring back out. Now, the Lakers, depending on, you know, how much faith you have in that organization right now, LeBron James and Anthony Davis healthy is a good start to get into the play in tournament compared to any other team that was on the outside but Minnesota got better we know Pelican speaking of yep. muscle watch season Zion baby, <laughs> looks like he's down about 50 right maybe the, PJ Washington's got some work to do before he catches Zion so it looks like the Spurs are the team you're looking at also Jazz you know they would start coming back to the pack so there's a little bit more cushion for the Kings to reach uh, one of those top 10 spots yeah I, I probably do think it comes down to them I think you're Right, it, it, it they have probably the the best shot, um, you know, certainly in the Western Conference. But you know, Washington too. Like I, I like some of the talent that they have there. Um, and, and with the Hornets, it's not it's not crazy to think that the Hornets could get there. But with the Kings, I I kind of agree with you. It's probably them that if you were forced to put some money on a franchise to make it out of the groups we're talking about, yeah, Sacramento. You know, as as contradictory as that may sound, <laughs> Sacramento might be your best bet.
1: <laughs> Tony, are you buying Sacramento what Demonis and what Demontis bonus and Darren Fox could bring? They bring in Malik Monk. They have Kent, you know, they they bring in Kevin Herter. They try to infuse more talent. And they're always like this win now team that everyone hope like <laughs> wishes should be in the tankers, but they never seem to be.
5: Yeah, you know, uh, they'll be hard to defend with all the lefty star power they've got out there. But in general, uh the, the interesting thing about the Kings is like I think Walker nailed it. The West is kind of like 10 good teams at the moment. And so if you are are pushing for that play-in, you know, maybe you can... Portland's going to be one of the teams trying to get in there that wasn't there last year, as are the Lakers. But like he said, the Jazz and the Spurs look to drop out. So they're going to be right in the mix. There's not that many teams going for what they're going for. So they obviously are going to have a good chance... De'Aaron Fox should get better, especially having the ball more often. He averaged almost 29 points per game after they traded away Tyrese Halliburton. Davion Mitchell should get better. Sabonis with an offseason in Sacramento should get better. In theory, this team has a lot of pieces in the right places now. They've got a roster that makes sense given the talent they acquired at the last trade deadline. So I think they've got a good shot to reach it. But as has been known to be the problem with the Kings for years and years, there's always a lot of bark and very rarely does the bite actually come. So they're going to have to put it all together. New head coach and Mike Woodson, can he make them defend? They've never been good on defense. So uh, there's, there's a lot of if, if, if Fox and Sabonis click, the Kings will be good. If Mike Woodson can make them defend. I just said the wrong coach same twice. Uh, either way, you know, I think that they, <laughs> <laughs> I think that they uh, can can do those things, but will they actually do it? That's been the Kings problem for years and years.
1: It didn't even phase me that you said that. I was like, oh, they probably just changed their coach since the last time I thought about it because their coaches have just turned over so often. Uh, apologies
5: guy to...
3: through and through, man. I was, was going to say, as an IU man.
5: grad, I, I say Mike Woodson. Mike Brown, <laughs> excuse me, defensive-minded coach, now the coach of the Kings since I said it incorrectly oh. two different times. <laughs>
3: yeah, the last, green really should be able to do some nice stuff with Sacramento. This <laughs> it's going to be awesome.
1: At a certain point, he may <laughs> be the coach of the Sacramento game, yeah. He, yeah. Might be Just keep... Turning them over. The last team that's represented, it should be represented here, is the Detroit Pistons. And Brandon, you look at this Detroit Pistons team, and you see, all right, Cade Cunningham, they have probably the best player out of this whole group.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, Melo LaMelo ball fans are coming at you right now. I know that. Like, are we saying that right now with Cade? Is Cade, Cade better than LaMelo right now? I was going to
1: say, it, it, it's, it's
3: Cade, LaMelo, or Bradley Beal probably of this group, yeah, right? and Beal has the... You know, has the
1: Sabonis, Sabonis, maybe. Tony, you want to pick up for your guys (laughs) Sabonis?
5: No, I don't think he's one of the best.
1: It's <laughs> like, no, I don't want to. No, so no. but maybe that but maybe that's the four. So but they have Cade Cunningham. They have a solid building block. And they added Bogdanovich, Boyan Bogdanovich from the Jazz. That's a good player, like a win-now type player that they brought in. They have all these young guys. They added Jaden Ivey in the draft. They added um Jalen Duran in the draft. They have Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart and some of these other building blocks that they're just kind of trying to build this team around. Brandon, are you buying that the Pistons, at, at any certain point, that Cade Cunningham could lead them to
4: a play-in berth? Absolutely. This team is loaded. I think this is a sleeper team in the East. You know, the East is deep, but, I mean, look at, look at the names. You know, I think there are questions. You know, can Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham play in the same backcourt and be effective? That's the question. But, I mean, look at, look at the talent. Sadiq Bay, 3D guy. I mean, you got Martin, you got Bagley you got me I mean, you know, Isaiah Stewart. They, they I mean, do team. have Bagley. That is a, that is a player. <laughs> well, this is a deep team, and they're deep, and they're young, and they're hungry. So, absolutely. I have them as a playoff team, to be totally honest with you.
1: You're feeling them as a the, – the problem with both of these conferences, really, is just, they're just so few spots. Like, I think yeah. this this team, the Pistons, I think the, the Hornets, I think all these teams, really, the Kings especially, are just hoping on one of those top ten teams – to have some kind of crazy injury or fallout. And it usually happens. Like every year, there's probably one or two teams that we look at and say, well, dang, we all had the Lakers last year penciled in as at least a play-in team, and they ended up not making it at all. So we start looking at it that way. But there you go. That's what needs to happen for all these teams to make the play-in. Coming up, we will talk to all these hosts about what the move is next. What's the future for these teams? Throughout this season, the trade deadlines, the draft coming up, what do they need to do to get out of the, even the play and hopeful and eventually become a playoff team we'll talk about that coming up next coming up it's the josh lloyd fantasy minute the biggest names from the play and hopefuls group that you should keep an eye on this fantasy basketball season
6: sacramento darren fox was really strong down the stretch last season him and sabonis have the makings of a good fantasy pairing i think fox Is an interesting player, but of course, he always seems to start every season without being able to shoot. And then Keegan Murray in the like 85 to 100 range of a draft. It might be a slow start as it is for many rookies, but I think he'd be solid in that area. Uh, For the Hornets, well, there's a big gap with Miles Bridges not there at the time of recording this. PJ Washington's likely going to step in. I'm not big on Mark Williams as a flyer type at the moment. He's the third string center, so we don't worry about that. The guy to watch is Jalen McDaniels. I think there is an opportunity for him, especially if Steve Clifford gets annoyed at Kelly Oubre's defense. LaMelo Ball is a rock-solid first-round pick, and Gordon Haywood is going really, really late in draft. So I'm pretty interested to see what what happens there with him. For the Wizards, yeah, I like Porzingis. We worry about his knees, of course, and he is a, an interesting guy that you can get round four in a lot of spots, and, and I'm pretty intrigued with that. I think Beal is better than last season, but not to the top 15 level he was two or three years ago. And then it's just a mishmash of guys. There's Barton and Kuzma and Hachimura and Avdia and all those players who probably eat into each other's value a bit. Monty Morris gets some value. He's not a huge upside guy because he's not a high-usage player, um, and he's someone to watch uh, as a later-round point guard. For the Pistons, I'm big on Cade. I reckon he could be a second-round player this season. You might get him in the third. I'm really excited to see what he can do. What they do at center is going to be intriguing. Is it Isaiah Stewart? Is it Marvin Bagley? Is it Jalen Duran? I don't know. I think you take flies on those guys. Duran and Stewart are much better than Bagley. Uh, Sadiq Bey is solid enough in the last or later rounds as is Boyan Bogdanovich. While Jaden Ivey, I think, like most rookie guards, is going to have pretty big struggles early on, especially with efficiency. And with Cade having the ball in his hands, Ivey's assist potential is not going to be particularly high. But he and Bogdanovich and Duran and Stewart, all these guys can be picked with your last pick in a fantasy draft. While for Indiana... One of the hot fantasy basketball names is Tyrese Halliburton. He's going in the first round in a lot of spots. And I think at the end of the first round, that's totally fine. The risk, of course, with Pacers guys like Miles Turner and Buddy Heald is a trade. I think if Turner is traded, his value sticks. If Heald is traded, that probably loses a lot of that value. And then you got later picks like Chris DeWatte, which I'm pretty interested in, Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson. Of course, Isaiah Jackson's value shoots through the roof if Turner is traded, so he's worth it as a later pick. So he can still provide value in a backup role and might get actually huge if Turner is dealt. I'm not as big on Benedict and as I said, with Ivy, the track record of rookie guards, who are shooting guards in particular, um, struggling in fantasy is lengthy. So he'll be pretty bad, I would imagine, from a fantasy perspective early on, especially if, as we see things at the moment, he's coming off the bench behind Heald and uh, Chris Duarte.
1: For being here for another episode of the ultimate pro basketball preview 2022 presented by odyssey and the locked on podcast network before we continue with our locked on expert Roundtable, here's odyssey's trista crick of the heat check podcast on which of these teams are one step away from playoff contention
2: I think it's tough, right? Because you could easily just say Charlotte because Charlotte's been a play-in team, but boy, are they a disaster. We have no idea what's going on with Miles Bridges, whether he's ever going to play basketball again, whether Gordon Hayward's ever going to be healthy, how that whole thing is going to work with you know Steve Clifford coming back again. So I'm just going to table all expectations for them, even though they've been in the play-in not, not that long ago, right? I think you have to say, Okay, what were the Indiana Pacers who are very clearly rebuilding trying to do this offseason? They were trying to get DeAndre Ayton. Can they still get DeAndre Ayton? Absolutely. Did it look like Ayton wanted to go to Indiana? Absolutely. Is it possible in January for them to make that move if DeAndre Ayton wants it to happen? Yes. So I think that's the move. Like, you look at Ben Matherin. You look at, I know, Chris Duarte. I know he's not going to be, like, a a starter necessarily, but this is a a guy who can get you some buckets as well. You've got Halley who's in the mix. Obviously, Miles Turner probably not going to be there long term, but you've got some pieces here, and I think that they're really interesting if you added them with Jalen Smith already to play four, and then a, a guy like DeAndre Ayton, who they have played together for Phoenix, I think then they're actually a team that could very easily get into the play-in. But Ayton's not somebody that you can just pick up off the street. That's going to be a big move that they'll have to make. But that's the move. That's That's the move that they were very clearly trying to do, and that's the move that I think is still on the table for them.
1: All right, back in the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022. This is the Locked On NBA Roundtable with the play-in hopefuls, the Sacramento Kings, the Charlotte Hornets, the Washington Wizards, Detroit Pistons, and the Indiana Pacers all here. And we're asking the question, what's the next move that needs to be made for your team to make the playoffs? We can kind of put play-in in in there as well to make this next step because we don't feel strongly about any of these teams absolutely making the play-in or especially the playoffs this year. But Brandon, I'll start with you for the Wizards. Going forward, what needs to happen and what moves need to be made for this Wizards team to go from a play-in hopeful to a solid playoff team going into the year?
4: Um, I see two things that need to happen. One, we need a consolidation trade. Like I said, we have too many guys, especially at the three and four positions, that are fighting for minutes. Um, we, you know, this, uh, Tommy Sheppard has been very reluctant on moving on from any of these young guys. You know, Corey Kispert, Rui Hachimura, um, Johnny Davis. I didn't need to, you know, and I think he needs to be a little, you know, take a risky move, you know, because, you know, while, you know, me and Ed, we always say um, it's not really a big three. It's a solid three. You know, Chris is <laughs> I think if he's if he's healthy, you know, health has always been the issue. I get it, you know, but, you know, the talent's always been there. And, you know, Bradley Bill, you know, now that he has a point guard who's going to push the pace and be a distributor, he can slide back into the role that he's been you know, made his money with, you know, John Wall, Russell Westbrook, they, they pushed the ball and they allowed him to be more of a scorer instead of trying to be a distributor. Because um, I wasn't a big fan of him being a, playing the point. I was totally against it. But, you know, I think we need to move one or two of these young guys and bring in a veteran and really consolidate this roster. And two, I think that West Unsell is going to have to sacrifice a part of his system. You know, his offense in Denver, while his defense was the name of the game for him, you know, the pace is way too slow. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie, if you look at him playing the point last season, it was slow and it really messed up the chemistry of this team. You know, I I think if he can push the pace and still emphasize defense, this team can go places.
1: And then he went then Spencer Dinwiddie went to Dallas and they told him to slow down even more, which is basically (laughs) basically what happened as the slowest team in the league last year. Um, Walker Mill for the for the Charlotte Hornets what needs to happen going forward maybe at the trade deadline the draft this year free agency next year you're looking a year out two years out what needs to happen for this Hornets team to get back in to the rising up phase and then to be a playoff team. It is do something
3: acceptable analysis like anything. <laughs> Poke him with a stick and just do it's, like do something. It, I, the the living embodiment of poking them with a stick, saying do something because there's something was bring back Cody Martin. I've said that a million times this offseason. I don't have any other moves to go to. They were in on the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes. They it seemed like they were in on trying to bring a second star alongside Lamelo, and it was real. <laughs> for me, you know, at at that point, you would be completely gutting your roster in order to land Donovan Mitchell, where I think a lot of people feel like it makes sense for Cleveland. You have so much insurance there. You know, it wouldn't have taken getting rid of all of your talent to get a Donovan Mitchell and then pairing it with what they have still there on the roster, right? With the Hornets. I mean, I love PJ Washington as a a solid basketball player for a, you know, a postseason team. I really like him defensively, helps them out a lot. But PJ probably is your most valuable asset that's already grown arms and legs. So outside of first round picks, (laughs) it's like PJ's it. He really helps your team. You've got salary filler for Donovan and Gordon and and Terry would have had to go, whatever player you choose. So is that a team that is going to make a top six spot? I guess my point is how do they reach one? It's LaMelo continuing to ascend, becoming a better defender, but also Maybe being like a 23, 4, 5 point per game score. Like, is that something within his repertoire on top of the seven rebounds and assists per game? Just Lamella being a flat out stud, right? He's already growing very much so, continuing to get better. And then what is the trade they finally pull off? Because they just haven't made it despite being in the Miles Turner sweepstakes. I mean, Tony. Man, we should have done a crossover pod already about 17 times now with a Miles Turner trade (laughs) coming across our timeline, and we just haven't done it. Just knew it it, wouldn't. (laughs) It's just not. It's just not going to happen. I do think that's one that would help the Hornets if they could find a way to do it. I'm a a Miles Turner fan, um, but it's going to take some kind of trade that has been threatened to happen a lot in Mitch Kupchak's tenure that he just hasn't quite felt the, the time was right for. Now. Now you're getting pretty close, especially if if you don't want to tank and it doesn't seem like they want to, you know, the Miles Bridges situation to put them in a, in a really tough spot. But you have to answer. Like, I mean, that this this is the cards you've been dealt. So, you know, you got to figure it out. I, I think that kind of trade is going to have to be what the Hornets do in order to make the postseason.
1: Moving to the Indiana Pacers, Tony East, what do you think the Pacers have to do to eventually become a playoff team going forward?
5: Sounds like the answer is make a trade with the Hornets and the Wizards. Because Come on, Tony. Let's do something. <laughs> the Wizards have uh, too many threes and fours. The Pacers have effectively none of those. Uh, and the Hornets <laughs> could send the Pacers the, the stuff they need for Miles Turner. On and on, more serious note, what do the Pacers need to do from a move perspective? Uh, acquire forwards, right? And, and, and it's so vague to say something like that. But, you know, they're starting power forward this year. going to be Jalen Smith who is a center who played center at college. He played center with the Phoenix suns, but they're trying to fit him in at power forward on this team. They're starting small forward. This year looks like it's going to be Chris Duarte, who's six foot five and projects to be a little better at the shooting guard position. Their backup small forward is someone who's either Aaron Nesmith, <laughs> who's really short uh, or O'Shea Brissett, who's way too tall for that position. And Terry Taylor is six foot four. And they played him at the center position last year. All these names to say, O'Shea sets a natural forward that they have on their team, and every other player on this roster, on the Pacers roster, is either obviously a guard or obviously a big, and they have to do something about that roster imbalance at some point when they get serious about competing, whether that's, you know, as has been referenced, a consolidation trade of, you know, a few guys. And forwards are really valuable and hard to get, but they have to get them. You know, they can't – you can't make the playoffs without a forward, and you know, the Cavs are the most extreme example of this, but how are they going to do with a bunch of good guards and a bunch of good bigs? You know, they, they didn't make the playoffs last year with – an all-star point guard and an all-star center because they didn't have the forwards, right? And they think they will this year, but that doesn't matter to this discussion. The point is wings are really important. You have an all-star point guard and an all-star center. That might not even be enough to make the playoffs in the NBA now because forwards are so important and the Pacers have none. They have to acquire them if they want to get better.
1: What about Benedict Matherin? Is he a guy that could, could make a leap or become super intriguing early on? And then all of a sudden that kind of answers some of these questions.
5: That is certainly possible, you know. As a sixth overall pick, I think they're hoping he can do sort of close to that level. Uh, he's six five, six six ish. Uh, you know, I don't want to guess what his height is, uh, but I've stood next to him. Either way, you know, his skills look like he's going to be more guardish on offense, but you can play the forward spots if you can defend forwards, right? So, I think he he could be one of the answers at the three spot if he could, you know, go out there and guard small forwards and do a good job being nosy and aggressive, but. It's kind of too early to say if he's going to be able to do that stuff. I'm sure the Pacers hope that he can be the answer there because they currently don't really have anyone. But, um, yeah, but, you know, Duarte kind of did it last year, and Matherin could maybe do it in the future. But right now they're kind of stuck in the mud trying to figure out how they're going to score and defend at the forward spots.
1: Let's look at some of these other teams. The Sacramento Kings, what do we think they need to do, Brandon? What do we think they need to do to, you know, to make the playoffs and to move forward? When I look at this team, I say – who <laughs> there's a couple of things. I don't know if their roster is just is built net yet to be a, a playoff team. They would have to find a center that somehow fits with Sabonis that's better than the fit that was with Miles Turner in Indiana because that on paper was like one of the best fits you could have. It's a guy that shoots the three, that also defends the rim, can defend in space as well, and that didn't really even work. So I, I don't know how to build a team around. To minus a Sabonis to make it work so that they're a real good play playoff team. And I don't know that De'Aaron Fox is good enough as a guard to carry all these other guards to get to the point where they, I'm feeling really good about the Sacramento Kings team to be a playoff team. But Brandon, Brandon, what do you see looking forward with this Kings team to be for them to be a playoff team? What do they have to do?
4: Um, they have to create what their identity, what they want their identity to be. Uh you need the nail on the head. Um, you got to find a personnel that wants to fit the system that you want to run. You know, the, the big problem that I see with the Kings is that they draft best player available, but the best player may not fit the system. You know, you mentioned it, De'Aaron Fox. He's going to run the ball. So, you know, is Sabonis going to be able to, you know, roll with him, you know, to push the pace, you know? So the the Kings, they have a lot of talent, but I think the problem with them is is really coaching and system. You know, they have the talent. They have a very talented team. So, you know, I can throw them in there as a team that needs to do a consolidation trade too. You know, know, I think they're a piece away from really (laughs) – You know, they
1: did did that. They went and got Demonis Sabonis. What's Tony? Tony, you covered Demonis Sabonis for a while. What is it about his game and playing with Fox now that, you know, makes them a a fringe playoff team, but it's not like propelling them the way that the Kings hoped that it would?
5: Yeah, I think it should work theoretically together. Like Sabonis is probably the best screener in the NBA. Fox is crafty with the ball. And again, he was awesome after the trade deadline last year in terms of scoring the ball because. Guys were letting him get downhill. Bonuses screens were a big part of that. He doesn't supply a ton of spacing. And and the other factor to to talk about is, yeah, Darren Fox is this brilliant transition player, super fast with the ball, right? That's his core skill. And that's important for the Kings. To get into transition, you have to get a stop. (laughs) And the Kings don't don't do do that. that. (laughs) Yeah, nothing about that. That is where I feel like the -the Fox-Bonus pairing sort of falls short, is that they can't do that part. They were 27th in defense last year. And even, you know, maybe they can get a little better with more chemistry and a a little bit different of a team, but in general, they don't project to take a massive step forward defensively. So they can't really use Fox in that way. So I think in the half court, those two can fit really well together. They added some shooting around them. Sure. But the move has got to be getting the defenders onto that team that let them maximize Fox. And when, he is not maximized. He can now run a pick and roll with a bonus. You know, that's a very dumbed down way of looking at what the Kings need to do. But adding defense that lets Fox be really good is very important to that team.
1: The other thing I think is Keegan Murray maybe like breaking out, just having yeah. like... like... Honestly, I feel like if Keegan Murray breaks out and he's better than De'Aaron Fox, that's when I could see this Kings team making a huge step forward. Say, I'm we're a playoff team. We are, you know, kind of what Tyrese Halburn was doing <laughs> last year before they traded him to the to the Pacers for Demonisabonis. Like if they could just do that same thing, catch lightning in a bottle again, then maybe I could see them moving forward. Uh the Detroit Pistons are the other team that we're talking about here. And for the Detroit Pistons to make to be a playoff team in the next couple of years, Walker, like it's they're kind of already doing it.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's internal improvement for them, right? Like, notice how we all kind of said maybe make a trade. And I know, Tony, with the Pacers, you're kind of in this long <laughs> rebuild trying to figure out they're going to make a trade at some point with Turner. I don't know. We we can do that joke a million more times if we want. But <laughs> with, with, with the Detroit Pistons. Hold on. Sean just reported
1: about a possible Turner trade to some destination at some point. Maybe locked the- on now. Stay
3: tuned. We're <laughs> yeah. all uploading our videos. Um, But when we talk about the the, the Pistons, are are pretty clearly the most exciting future team in this group, right? Like because there's just so much unknown and you just maybe guess that Kate Cunningham is the best player in this group at that kind of young age. At least he's in the conversation. So to have him to go ahead and get Jaden Ivey, who I loved in the pre-draft process. And, of course, everybody else did. There's a reason you're a top five pick. And then to also have Jalen Duran, who I, I kind of wanted here mm-hmm. in Charlotte. Yeah. We did for five seconds and then traded him. So <laughs> that was fun. I'll never forget those five minutes that we had him. Um, yeah, like Detroit having those guys a part of that core with Sadiq Bey, who just seems to be a perfect fit. Yeah, like it, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Cleveland. Do they have a team this year... That might just be ahead of schedule and surprises people, you know, eventually the Cavaliers, they fall back to the pack and then finish in the play in at nine. But they were up there in the top six for a while. Yeah. And, you know, they have an injury like Ricky Rubio hurts them, you know, um, just having a, a backcourt veteran to help and facilitate is Detroit somewhere in that neighborhood to where maybe they don't finish as a top four seed halfway through the season. But Are they here solidly in the mix in that play-in group? And hell, I mean, Brandon, you talked about them actually making an outright playoff spot. Like, it's not crazy to think maybe they could be ahead of schedule. And of course, that only means bad things for my Charlotte Hornets where, you know, LaMelo, PJ, Mark Williams, Jalen McDaniels, like, you have some young talent. You can for sure have internal improvement, but I don't see this team making a top six spot without making a trade. I could see that with Detroit you know, making maybe like a, a small veteran trade here or there, but mostly it being predicated based off internal improvement.
1: Definitely the most projectable team for sure. We can look at that team on paper and just say, oh, I can see where this team will be in three or four years. And that's probably a playoff team going forward. If Cade develops the way we hope, if Jaden Ivey can break out and be, you know, what we what everyone hopes the top five pick can be, Jalen Duran and all that. Uh, this you know, is- what,
5: you know what the Pistons remind me of this year? Is the Atlanta Hawks, that year that they had, a rookie, um a rookie, uh, DeAndre Hunter star. No, Trey Young, second year, rookie DeAndre Hunter, rookie Cam Reddish, right? Second year, John Collins. You know, they, they were all lining up at the same time and they won like, you know, that was a shortened season because of COVID, but they were on like a 28 win pace team. And then boom, they make the conference finals the next year. I feel like this is that Hawks season where all those dudes are young and learning to play together. And then the Pistons next year, it all meshes and they look really awesome. That's what I think. Yeah. Interesting.
1: You can see that. You can see all the talent start to starting to come together for that team. This has been the play-in hopefuls for the NBA. The Sacramento Kings, Charlotte Hornets, Washington Wizards, Detroit Pistons, Indiana Pacers all have a locked-on show that covers their team daily on YouTube and on podcasts, wherever you get your, your podcast. So go ahead and check those out. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, and uh, we'll continue on with the ultimate pro basketball preview 2022. Up next, it's nothing but bet. Which Play and Hopefuls can get it done? Matt Moore of the Locked On NBA and the Action Network is here to help you win some cash with some betting angles that you need to know. Continuing on the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm joined by Matt Moore from the Action Network and Locked On NBA. We're talking about the Play and Hopefuls teams. These are the teams that they got some hopes but their hopes kind of only land at the play-in. If they can get to the play-in, that'd probably be a successful season for them. Let's start with, oh man, the Charlotte Hornets. Their over-under win total is 35 and a half after making the play in the last two years and getting dominated in the playoffs, the play in the last two years. Um, No miles bridges probably for them this year. Just a really rough offseason overall for that team. What's the best bet for the Hornets?
0: So I bet the under. This open 37 and a half at some spots, which is where I grabbed it. I think it's so good at 36 and a half. I think it's still good at 34 and a half. I think it's good at any number. I've also bet the Hornets for the worst record in the national basketball association. Mm. Because if you're going to tank this year with Victor Wemenyama and Scoot Henderson making plays and highlight reels, why not go all the way? You know, I, I like the hire of Steve Clifford. I, I generally do. And Clifford's 2-0 and uh, to the over in his first season with the team. He gets buy-in. He coaches discipline. That was a big reason that they brought Clifford on board was basically, it wasn't that Borrego was bad with the X's and O's. The X's and O's actually like James Borrego pretty good, but the locker room was pretty much a mess. They had no discipline. So they bring in Steve Clifford. who's going to bring in a professional atmosphere, professional attitude. And I like Steve Clifford a lot. Do not like this roster. And at some point they've been trying to shop Gordon Hayward for essentially two years. I've heard him brought up consistently in league circles for two years as a guy, quote unquote, likely to be moved sometime in the future. Now they haven't been able to move him because of the injury history, but at some point the contract will get small enough for him to get moved. And then they take a real hit. Terry Rozier has played great for the Hornets. But when I'm talking about Terry Rozier is like, wow, he's like a shining star there for what <laughs> they have. That's a bad sign. I also didn't like the way Lamilla ball played last year. Um, I don't have any reason to think that he's going to shift gears defensively or that they're going to be, Decent at all. Their roster isn't built to play well defensively. Steve Clifford said, like, oh, we got to play fast. This this team is built to play fast. Clifford teams have never played fast. So there's gonna be a lot of tension there between trying to get this team to play defense with a bunch of young guys that don't know what they're doing, and then also trying to run the ball and play offensively. That combination I think is gonna be difficult. I, I like the under on this team a lot. Now, I was off on them last year. I was absolutely well off on them last year. I was, I thought they were gonna be under, they went way over. The more you kind of look at, though, as far as the season went along, a lot of reason to think that they're due for a regression. The value, it's under or nothing when it comes to the Hornets.
1: Mm. Their biggest their biggest weakness, too, was like at center. They go and they draft Mark Williams, and like reports out of Charlotte is he's not even in the rotation at this point, too, which is not really a good sign for the Hornets right now. So lots of bad signs going in the Hornets' direction. So Matt saying the under. Um, the Washington Wizards are kind of a, a team that, I don't know, they're just kind of hanging out in their area. They're over-unders <laughs> 35 and a half, too. It's like not bad vibes, not great vibes. Bradley Beal still there. Resign, Porzingis, Kuzma, Rui. They got a lot of dudes, but what's the bet for the Wizards?
0: I like the over. I hmm. like the over quite a bit. Um I have not, I haven't bet it yet. We'll see if the market really kind of hammers them and if they go the other direction. So there's a chance that this could be the team that goes the other way, right? And just completely tanks out and tries to get Bradley Beale, Victor Uh, I don't have any confidence that if things get tough, Victor, that Bradley Beale is going to stick around. Um, and by that, I mean like just signed his extension. So he won't be traded, but he's proven that he'll put his health and his situation and is totally willing to be like, oh, played 40 games. My work here is done. And so <laughs> and that's fine. Take care of your body. Get that bag. But the baseline for this team, I think, is it, it's a by low spot because so many of these guys in the rotation, Kyle Kuzma, Will Barton, Monte Morris, Rui Hachimura, Kristaps uh, Porzingis, who Nick, you know, from his uh, stellar and, and well-received time in Dallas. <laughs> bring um, that up. A lot of those guys are just solid. Like they give you some good stuff. But the injury risks here are very real. There's a reason to stay away from it. It's the injury stuff. They just might get completely hurt. Beal's out. Porzingis is out. They can't stay above 500. They reverse course and shift down. But if you tell me that they're going to have decent health and actually pursue a playoff spot, if, if ownership is like, I want to make the playoffs, I think this team goes over. It's a low number for a veteran team. Those to me are by low spots. I like the over a little bit for the Wizards.
1: The Sacramento Kings made some big moves last year. They traded for Demontis Sabonis. They added some free agents this offseason. Their over-under right now, as I see it, is 34 as a win total over-under. For a team with two, like, pseudo-all-star-type players in Fox and Sabonis, 34 seems so low to me. What's the bet for the Kings?
0: My biggest bet of the preseason is the Mm. over on the Sacramento Kings.
1: Wow, finally. Finally, Matt Moore doesn't hate your team, Sacramento.
0: Um, it's it's not that I love the team. It's that I love the number. So a couple things here. <laughs> the Kings drastically overperformed in terms of record last year based off a of point differential. Okay. That sounds like a bad thing. You're like, so they overperformed, so they should regress backwards. Uh, I've been studying the win totals for teams over the past 10 years. Bookmakers set the lines based off of those expected numbers to a higher correlation than the actual win totals. That's a lot of jargon. Let me put it this way. The bookmakers aren't using how good the teams were in record. They're using how much they win or lost by. And there's reasons for that. But what mm. happens then is the numbers get juiced in either direction. The underperformers have their numbers set too high. The overperformers get set too low to the tune of 68% under teams conditions with teams with a win total under 40. Wow. So, last 10 years. so. You've got that. You've got teams. Honestly, this is a sweet spot range. Teams in this 30 to 40 range are often the teams that the bookmakers tend to get wrong to the over. Unders overall are profitable. But this specific range is where the overs tend to hit. It's these teams that they're like, we don't think they're very good, but we don't think they're terrible. And they outperform those expectations. You combine that with like, look, the the Sabonis, awesome. De'Aaron Fox, really good. I'm high on Davion Mitchell. Love Keegan Murray. Like Mm -hmm. there's, there are guys, Harrison Barnes, capable NBA player. They, and they added guys like Kevin Herter. There's a mandate very clearly to get this team in the playoffs. I don't think it's going to happen because the West (laughs) is insane, but it's enough for me to get this over at such a low figure, low thirties. Yeah. The Kings are the over bet for me of the season. 34.
1: I mean, Mm -hmm. 34 is so low in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, Love that as a, as a big bet. The Detroit Pistons low as well. 29 is their over under Um, Cade Cunningham. They bring in Bojan Bogdanovic maybe to add some veteran presence. They add Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duren in the drafts. Any thoughts on the 29 for Detroit or is there a better bet?
0: This one's been juiced up and I don't think there's any value anymore. So this opened, there were some books that actually opened at 26 and a half. It immediately popped up to 27 and a half, 28 and a half. And now we're 29 and a half. Like, Betters clearly like the over. This is the fun young team that everybody wants to bet the over with. Yeah. hey Cunningham and Isaiah Stewart and Jaden ivy and all these guys. Jalen Duran, like all the league
1: pass guys. team.
0: Yeah, right. The league pass team. Uh, I'm high on a lot of their guys. I love Beef Stew. What a nickname for <laughs> Isaiah Stewart. It's amazing. Um, I love Jaden ivy Total, like he is a tough dude. It's he's gonna get buckets. Um, love Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay, after he sh- shook off those early season shooting woes, which the Pistons literally shot like a team from the nineteen forties, like they were doing plumbing jobs for the real <laughs> job. Like once they shook that off, Sadiq Bay was on was liquid fire for a lot of the season. He's really good. I love Sadiq Bay. I actually have a small, tiny little nibble on him for most improved player. Ooh. But but if you're gonna bet this now, I would tell you that you should probably bet the under because it's been juiced up so much. You've got value. Yeah. Teams usually just don't make this jump. They don't go from 22 to, to 30 wins. Over the last 10 years, that rate has been something like 25%. It just does not work out well for teams to make that kind of a leap. Love Cade Cunningham. Like, that's why I, it's probably not going to be a bet for me. I'm not going to bet the under because I don't want to bet. I don't want to bet against Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey and all these guys. And like the number is low enough that a couple of fluke wins can really make you sweat late in the season. And if they're a little high and the bottom teams are so low that they can't catch them in the tank, Detroit will try and keep winning. So that's a concern. But at this point, I would tell you there is no value in betting the over a twenty nine and a half. So
1: they win twenty three games last year. Their over is twenty nine. The Mavericks, when they first had Luka, first year was they won like thirty three games. Then the next year they go all the way up to forty three, like a ten win jump. Now they did add Porzingis in that, but what's stopping a Cade Cunningham Detroit Pistons team from not making that same kind of leap.
0: I think you have to look at the veterans, right? So even though Dorian, I don't think was, was what he is now. You got guys like Tim Hardaway jr. You've got like veteran components that they tried to put around Luca to help him out. Like the Mavericks did not go full youth movement. It was like a middling kind of weird roster. And then like, let's just drop Luca into the middle of it. Oh, Hey, he's a top five player in the NBA. We're pretty good now. Um, with Cade, so many of these got Jaden Ivy, Sadiq Bay. They're still playing Killian Hayes for some reason. Look, I like Killian Hayes as a prospect, but you got to quit trying to make this happen, Detroit. Oof. You gotta gotta let it go. Um, Stuart Durant, like all these guys are are super young. The vets are on the bench, and there's there are good guys there like Corey Joseph, Alec Burks. Like Burks's plus minus last year was tremendous. There's like there are dudes that will help the Pistons off the bench. They have good veteran leadership but I don't know if they're going to play enough because you want to develop the young guys and young teams typically don't win in the NBA. So that, that would be my counter to the Mavericks comparison.
1: The last one in Indiana Pacers over under and a half. They have Tyrese Halliburton. They haven't made that Lakers trade yet. The one that's just sitting there, the, the Miles Turner and Buddy Heald trade. Um, what's the play for the Indiana Pacers?
0: I got colleagues that really like uh, Tyrese Halliburton for most improved. The track record has said that if your team is not above 500 and not in the playoff race, and you're not in all-star consideration, you no longer in consideration for most improved player. Um, I just bet Sadiq Bay, who does not fit any of those categories. Say,
1: you're a good stats, bad team guy at that point. Let's just
0: be very clear. Those guys that have won in very rare instances, they're worth it at the long numbers. They're just not the best value on the board. My point here is with Indiana, I really wanted to, I wanted an angle to bet the under. Because I think that they are transitioning to a tank. I think they are transitioning to really try and rebuild. I think they are transitioning to get in the women Yama Scoot Henderson race. And they're within range of trying to do it. I dug into the numbers. There's just too much offense here, Nick. Like Tyrese Alburn's really freaking good. When he and Isaiah Jackson ran pick and roll, that was 65th percentile in pick and roll efficiency last season. Do you know how hard that is with the kind of guys that the Pacers were playing? <laughs> if they don't trade Miles Turner, if they don't trade Buddy Hield, if they don't trade both of them, those guys are going to help them win. And those guys need to get on the court at some point. They want to get on the court to keep their contract value high. Um, there's a Benjamin Mathurin looks really good in preseason. Again, if this number was twenty-six, I'm all the way in. Let's hammer this under. Trying to figure out exactly how low teams are going to go this season to try and improve the draft odds is difficult. It's just difficult. Is it going to be twenty? Is it going to be fifteen? Are we going to see like teams in the in the Bobcats ranges of twelve? <laughs> it's hard to lose that Not many games. Bobcats. Not yeah. the Bobcats. Yeah, and so if, if they get to, there's a chance that the Pacers are at like nineteen wins <laughs> with twenty games to go, and you're like, I should be okay, right? Yeah, right. And I don't want to be there. And
1: then Rick Carlisle just goes, no,
0: no, you're not okay.
1: You're not okay. There you go. You can go check out Matt Moore at the Action Network as well as uh, Lockdown NBA and Lockdown Nuggets. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Don't forget, this is a six-episode series that will continue through October 17th discussing every NBA team with the experts that know them best. Be sure to check out the rest of the series and be back to answer some of your biggest questions going into this season. Tomorrow, it's the Tankers. The Orlando Magic. Can Paolo Bencaro pull them out of the mire? The San Antonio Spurs. How bad can it get? Greg Popovich told us at Media Day that it might get worse. Oklahoma City, no Chet this year, but what can SGA and company bring this upcoming season? The Utah Jazz, their host said they might make the postseason. And the Houston Rockets with Jalen Green in tow and Jabari Smith added, what can this young roster do? Once again, I'm Nick Angstead. And until next time, thank you to our friends at Odyssey and to you for listening and watching. Find the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 on the Odyssey app or your favorite podcast provider so you don't miss an episode.